This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hey there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 345, recorded on Monday, November the 6th, 2017. (laughs) Three, four, five, six. That's awesome. Whoa, you're right. 345 <laughs> on the 6th. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that, so I'm. thanks for pointing it out. That's good. You have a good long weekend? I did. I really enjoyed my long weekend, actually. Yeah. Got uh, that extra hour in there. Sweet. Yeah. The time changed. I uh, I could talk about the time change for a long time, which no one wants to hear, so maybe, maybe some other time, but I really like it when the time uh, when the clocks go back an hour in the fall, because it makes it lighter in the morning. Cause I hate getting up in the morning when it's dark. Oh, I'm so the opposite. I so like getting up when it's dark and having it be dark and starting to work when it's dark and going to work when it's dark and then getting off of work and it'd be light. You're an oh, idiot. No, it's the no, other way around no. is so much better. I can't you get up are, in the morning. You ass backwards on the on daylight savings, my friend. Maybe we should talk about this later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because I do have some some uh, housekeeping stuff to talk about. Not really housekeeping, but a few things to go over before we get into this week's episode. The first of which is now that it's, you know, we're almost a week into November, I just want to remind everyone about our November charity push in case you haven't been listening much lately. What we are doing is taking all of the money generated from our Amazon affiliate links for the month of November, and we're going to donate everything to the Canadian Cancer Society. So uh, if this is the first you're hearing about it, just really quick, what you should do is visit TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon. Click on the country of your choice before you do your Amazon shopping, and then uh, a tiny little bit will come back to us. And we will, of course, turn around and donate it to the Cancer Society. So it's sort of the November charity push for us here. And uh, we really, really appreciate everyone who's who's doing that and helping out. Absolutely. Uh, Go go buy your uh, D&D books now. Like if you've been holding off on buying D&D books, now's your chance. Go to Amazon, buy some, you know, fifth edition books, rule books and uh, have them delivered to your door. Perfect. Perfect. It comes right to your door, you know, and you don't have to wait. You don't even have to get up off your couch until the package arrives and you know, you're helping a really good cause in the next mm-hmm. uh, few weeks. We are get off- 300 pages of monsters in the monster manual. That's well, awesome. You might as well get that too. Yeah. You know what? You can find out what a, uh, what a Draco Lich is. I know. I want to know. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> well, uh, we're off to a really good start and I'm not going to throw a number out there for now, but suffice to say, we're off to a really good start. And uh, maybe as the month goes on, I might let everyone know how it's going. But uh, let's get it. Let's get it up there and, you know, have a big old chunk of cash to donate to the Cancer Society at the end of the month. So uh, speaking of our website where you can go to click on those Amazon links, it's all new. All new. I was looking at it yesterday. Yeah, that's some uh, some good works you're doing there, Chris. Thanks, man. I mean, it's mostly a WordPress theme, but I did some work on it, customized it. I made it look the way I wanted to. Yeah. Um, so the old site lasted us for a good seven years or so, and it was time. It was time to make a change. So we, I have, and there are a couple of big improvements to it, one of which is that it's fully responsive, so it'll work nicely on your phone, your tablet, or your desktop computer. The other one is that I went through and I recategorized 
or I should just say maybe properly categorized all of our posts all the way back to the beginning. So you can now look at our episodes based on the season of The Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead. If you're looking for our coverage of season three of Walking Dead, you can just call up that category and there they all are right there. You can even search for like, you know, season three, but uh, you can also just look it up by category. So it's much better. It works really nicely and uh, hopefully you know, hopefully it's better for everyone. Now, of course, the second I made the website change, uh, coincidentally, our RSS feed broke yesterday for a little while. And that is because we hit a size limit, uh, just coincidentally. And FeedBurner, the service we use for the RSS feed, which uh, we've been using since the beginning, stopped processing the feed because they decided it was too big. So what I had to do was limit the number of of episodes in the feed. And as soon as I did that, I started hearing from people wondering where the older episodes were. So right now I have it limited to 200, uh, the most recent 200 podcast episodes. Uh, and we're at 345. So we're not missing too many, but if there are some that you need in the, you know, earlier than 200 ago, just visit talkingdeadpodcast.com and you can find them there. Uh, but I'm also working on a more long-term solution so that our feed can be bigger and can have everything in it and everything's all there in one place. But uh, just in case you're wondering, you should be able to get the last 200 or so. Um, but uh, if you need something before that, head over to the site and you can find it. Yeah. I've, you know, I've, I've encountered that problem in the past where it's just, you know, I've gotten the feedback. Uh, that's just too big. I, I'm not doing anything with that anymore. Right. And you yeah. always have a solution for that, right? <laughs> yeah, you just you know you, you have to work around it, but uh, yeah, I've, it's not an uncommon problem for me. Okay, understood. <laughs> uh, but let us know what you think of the new website. There's still things, some things about it I want to continue working on to even improve some more. So I think it's pretty good. I hope you guys like it. Uh, but to be honest, not many people go there. They just use the feed. So, uh, but let us know. Finally, we are, of course, running our season eight record your favorite scene contest. And this is just where you pick a scene from any season of The Walking Dead. You record it by yourself, with your friends, with your family, and then send it in to us. And uh, we'll collect them all through for the duration of season eight. And at the end, Jason and I pick our favorites. And there is a big fancy prize pack for the winner. I should mm -hmm. say our favorite, not favorites. There's one winner and two runners up usually. Well, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's my favorite and your favorite. It happens to be the same favorite. That's right. That's right. Uh, I will send something out to the runners up for sure. But uh, yeah. the prize box has a couple of things in it already. One is a hardcover copy of the Here's Negan uh, backstory book. I saw that in uh, the bookstore on the weekend and uh, I came real close to buying it and I, I probably should. Okay. But if I buy it, I'm going to read it. I don't know if I want to read it. Well, you can think about it. You have some time uh, and then you can get it. But in addition to that, there will be a hard copy cover of book 14 of The Walking Dead. So that's the most recent one to come out. Um, so in case you're missing that one, that'll be in there. And something new added to the prize box this week, Jason. Yeah. It is a complete set of the All Out War comic book editions that were exclusive to San Diego Comic-Con with the G.I. Joe themed covers. Jump and Jehoshaphat's. Where did you get that? I have a guy who can get things. And, oh, it's uh, a fixer. 
That's good. That's right. And he got me a set of these and I'm putting them in the prize pack. So I think that's really cool and they look great and I'm excited to give them away to somebody. So does this guy break into people's houses and look for stuff and eventually you, you can like ask for things on commission and he'll go door to door until he finds them? Look, I don't know what his methods are. All I know <laughs> is he has something I want and I pay him for it. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> that's you know, cool. Whatever. He, he may happen to work in a comic book store, but uh, you know, that's just the yeah. way it is. Yeah. Well, you know, comic book store uh, workers, people that work in comic book stores, uh, they do B&Es, right? Well, I assume so. I don't, I assume so. Some yeah. of them do. Not all, not all. No, no, no. When I was growing up, there was a bike store, a bicycle store near me, and they used to sell bicycles to people in the neighborhood and then steal them back. Oh yeah. Bunch of Though Toronto is, is huge for bike theft. Oh yeah. I've had five bikes stolen in Toronto. Five. I've had almost that many as a kid growing up. Like they just disappeared out of our garage. So. And a set of handlebars. I come out to my bike that's nicely locked up. They had cut all the wires and then took the handlebars and they were gone like how the hell am i supposed to get home now no handlebars people are just jerks man i'm telling you anyways uh that's the record your favorite scene contest i'm going to post more information about that on the new website when i get around to it that'll happen soon so if you're looking to have some questions answered visit the site or just send me an email talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com and i can answer whatever questions you may have all right With all that behind us, let's jump into this week's episode. It's Season 8, Episode 3. What the hell is that? Monsters. Monsters. All right, thank you from, uh, for, thank you to, uh, a different Jack in rainy England, because <laughs> we have a few nice. listeners named Jack in rainy England, I think. Awesome. And, uh, Gareth in Germany for those title reads. Those were wonderful. Uh, I'd love it when our listeners read the title of the episodes. So if you want to do that, record yourself reading the title and send it in and I'll play it on the episode. Most likely. Keep it coming. Keep them coming. That's right. So this is season eight, episode three, Jason, uh, before I get into the detailed recap that we do, I wanted to ask you, uh, I just wanted to talk about some quick general thoughts on this episode. Okay. Because I gotta say, I didn't love it. I don't think it was bad, but to be honest, it felt a little tedious in a way. And I'm trying not to... I'm not I'm trying not to overstate that, like how much I didn't like it because I actually did, but there were some things about it that felt like it was kind of treading the same ground that we've seen recently on the show and mm-hmm. over the full run of, of seven and a bit seasons. So, um, in, instead of sort of finishing with general's thoughts this time, I wanted to start by saying that, which hopefully doesn't taint <laughs> the, uh, the recap <laughs> that's about to come. But do you know what I'm saying? Do you agree or do you disagree with that? Well, I'm going to do something entirely out of character and uh, go ahead and agree with you. Uh, I thought that uh, it was a little lackluster. There was a few um, a few things that I, I didn't like about it. I'm not sure about the, uh, I guess as we go through the, the recap, we'll look at the treading, retreading uh, ground already covered. But uh, yeah, overall, I thought it was a little tedious, but uh, it ended eventually and that was right. good. And, and that's the best word I could come up with because I, I watching some of the stuff this week, I was th- instead of 
sitting there, letting it wash over me, just really enjoying it. I was thinking, well, I've seen this before. You know, I feel like characters have had this conversation before. And can we move on to the next thing, please? So, uh, you know, it's it was good. There was lots to like about this episode, but it felt a little repetitive. And I think there may be a bigger conversation there around The Walking Dead and how it's becoming a little bit repetitive and repeating itself. So uh, maybe we can have that greater conversation another time, but I could really feel it in this episode, which right. it just tainted my feeling overall to it a little bit. So um, I got to say, I didn't love it, but I still found things to enjoy here. So, uh, but let's get into the recap. Uh, it starts with King Ezekiel giving his motivational speech as they're listening to the saviors or continuing his motivational speech that he he's been giving for a few episodes now. This is, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. All of a speech. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're listening to the saviors on the walkie. Uh, Carol chimes in that they have the numbers, but we have the strategy. So that's going to be good for them. And Ezekiel goes on to say that if they keep this up, they will not, they will lose not one of their ranks. Nice. Now, inter- that's, a, that's a hell of a promise to make. It really is. You're going into war and you're like, nobody's going to die. You know, yeah. we're all going to be fine. Uh, now, intercut with this speech, we see them moving through the forest and we eventually see the, we hear the savior whistling thing that they do, which we haven't seen in a little while yeah, or heard in a little while. And it looks like they have walked into a savior trap and they're surrounded by them. But as it turns out, it's an ambush and suddenly more kingdom people pop up from the edges and they just kill every last one of the saviors that are there. They shoot them all dead yeah. with no losses to the kingdom side. Yeah. And no shots off by the savior side. They didn't get a single shot off, even though they were pointed uh, all their weapons right at this uh, group of kingdom people. Like nobody had a chance to just pull the trigger. Nope. Not a single chance. And I've decided... I've, uh, I've adopted a rule for The Walking Dead, and I think that it's an important rule for me to better enjoy uh, this show in particular. And it is, it is uh, one of the Buster Keaton rules of uh, movies. The rule that, uh, one of the rules that Buster Keaton lives by, lived by in his movies was that if the camera couldn't see it, the people on screen couldn't see it. Mm. And that's the rule I'm going to try and live by that if... Uh, if I can't see it, neither can the characters. And that uh, it's an important rule to, that I think I need to adopt because that's the only way to properly explain this uh, reverse ambush. Like it's an ambush of an ambush. You, uh, yeah. And it, it just, uh, yes, they, the saviors have to be colossally stupid to fall for this particular trip trick. And uh, the kingdom has to be colossally stupid in order to employ uh, that level of bait. Like if they're capable of ambushing the saviors, why not just uh, line up on two sides of a uh, some kind of uh, path where they're walking and just put them in a uh, you know a, a kill triangle or whatever it is it's called, <laughs> where you just uh, you know you just properly ambush them. Right. And then once they get into that little narrow area where you're on both sides, you open fire. Now you don't just, you know, cross the streams right at each other and shoot, but you, you kind of get into a triangle where they're, uh, they're a little bit ahead of you and you, you shoot towards them. So you don't, you know, accidentally shoot each other. Right. But you know, classic ambush. Why not? Well, just, yes. Anyway. 
it, it, it was kind of a double ambush here. And while it did not make a lot of sense, the thing that actually bothered me a little bit about it was the brutality. I mean, they just gunned down every single person in that group of saviors for, you know, with, with, without a second thought. And I know we've been seeing a lot of that lately. There's been a lot of savior death, but something about this scene, it, it just felt so swift and um, brutal that it kind of got to me a little bit. I was, I was taken aback slightly by just how, how much of a massacre it was. Well, that's, that's okay. Like, I don't have any problems with that. An ambush is meant to do that kind of thing. Well, right? I get it. I remember when I was in uh, basic training for the reserves, uh, I think I may have spewed this stat before, but a successful ambush kills 100% of the people that are, you know, in the ambush. An unsuccessful ambush kills 97%. Yeah. The only thing you can do in an ambush is run. Just run, try and break the lines, like get through the lines of the people that are ambushing you and get the F out of there. Yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's the only thing you can do. You can't hunker down. You can't shoot back. You're screwed from the outset. So uh, it's just, anyway, uh, classic ambush, do it. The brutality I'm okay with, you know, the job, when you're in combat, the job of the enemy is to watch their own ass. It's, it's their responsibility to cover their own ass, not sure. yours. Sure, of course. Right? So if you have somebody in your sights that is meant to kill you, whose intent is to kill you, you kill them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, sim- it's as simple as that. Yeah, and, and we've seen a lot of death. It's just maybe maybe it's it was just the, the sheer success of this ambush, which got to me a little bit. Uh, you know, they had no opportunity to fight back, which as you're saying is the idea. That's the that's the goal of the successful ambush. But boy, I I was like, man, they are just getting, I felt like the show is getting a little bit, Willy nilly with the with the killing, it just doesn't seem like it's happened on mass so much until now. The, the willy nilly killy willy. The willy nilly killy willy is really <laughs> willying my nilly. <laughs> Jeez. Or nilly and my willy. I don't know. Really. <clears throat> <laughs> so, anyways, uh, that's that got to me a little bit. But that's it for the cold open. We come back after the opening credits, and we're with Rick and Morales. Morales tells Rick to put his guns down and he talks about how he knows who Rick is, uh, which to me, uh, it sounded like Negan has been talking about the Rick from Alexandria, right? He's been, he's been spreading that information throughout his people to make sure, I guess they're ready for Rick if he shows up or aware that he may show up. Uh, now Morales says Rick is a prize and they, they aren't supposed to kill him, the widow or the king unless absolutely necessary. So it sounds like Negan is interested in taking these people captive. Right. Uh, which is what Morales, I guess, is trying to do. And he's talking about how Rick must have taken the same journey as him and that it's all over now because he's called his people. So the saviors are coming. Outside, the firefight between Team Aaron is still going on. And we hear the saviors yelling that the boss wants them back inside. And they all turn around and start shooting their own compound. And Tobin and Scott are still there, of course, to see what's going on. Now, we need to talk about something here. Because uh, the last week's episode, episode two, 
a lot of the reaction online is that people were very confused about this episode, where everyone was, why there were so many teams doing different things, or were they actually at the same location, just one, two sides of the same building. And last week, I never really felt confused about the episode, but I have, but I think I, but now I think I was unknowingly confused because it, it was, it never seemed unclear to me that Rick and Daryl were at one location doing something and Team Aaron was at a different location doing something. Oh, you didn't know that? Well, but it turns out they were like at two sides of the same building and they were actually in the same location. Rick and Daryl were inside looking for these weapons where Team Aaron is outside keeping everyone pinned down and shooting them. Am I incorrect? Because I believe no, there, I'm confused. I believe there is some confusion now because I thought there was two different locations. But based on this uh, episode, I think it's the same location. Oh, man. Yeah, I didn't get that from this episode. Well, but see, but, but later on in the episode, Aaron shows up to rescue uh, Daryl and Rick as they're fighting their way out, which we'll get to. But in this scene, I think they cut from inside to outside. And that's why we see Aaron continuing this, this gun battle they're having outside. And, um, but, but that being said, I wasn't 100% clear on why the, the um, orders to the saviors to turn around and start attacking their own building, other than there are enemies inside, get back inside and take them out. And that was Rick and Daryl. Yep, that makes perfect sense. Right? I'm confused. And hopefully uh, I can be, it could be cleared up later. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the funny part is everyone else was confused about last week's episode, but I felt that like it was very clear. However, I feel like now I misunderstood the whole thing. So <laughs> I didn't even know I was confused, which maybe says more about me than anybody else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyways, though, Aaron and Eric have fled the battle, as we know, because Eric got shot and Aaron takes him, takes Eric and leaves him by a tree, sits him down and apologizes for pulling him into this fight. Eric, of course, tells Aaron that it's not his fault. And he tells him he has to return to the battle, which Aaron does not want to do initially, of course, but Eric insists and tells Aaron he loves him. They share a long kiss and Aaron tearfully leaves. Um, but he leaves Eric with a gun to protect himself, I guess. I wouldn't have left him. You would have stayed? I would have stayed. You don't just leave somebody who's shot with a through and through up against a tree and hope for the best in the zombie apocalypse. Well, no, I mean, he really doesn't have a lot of ability to get up and run away from anybody that comes to approach him, living or otherwise. So, yeah, you wouldn't want to leave him, but at the same time, the rest of their crew is still involved in this battle you know, nearby. And Aaron Fuck it, this is the man you love. I wouldn't, you yeah. know, screw them. I wouldn't, I, I totally wouldn't, uh, no, there's no way. There's no way I would leave. No, I hear you. I hear you. I, I know what you're saying, but Aaron does. He decides to go back and, you know, fight for the survival of everyone else, knowing that that's important too, I guess. Well, just to be clear, I'd leave you. Oh. I, w <laughs> would you I give... wouldn't leave my wife. <laughs> sure. W would you give me a long, passionate kiss first? Uh, you know, I might in that kind of situation where it's, it's dire like that. Uh -huh. I mean, you are a dear friend, a brother almost. Sure. Uh, you know, who knows? Whatever, you know, when the mood strikes you, you, you do what you got to do, right? 
Uh, so maybe, but I would leave you. I'd leave you with a gun. I'd leave you propped up against a tree. Uh, you know, I'd leave you with the avi- advice, save the last bullet for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't leave my wife. With no the- way. I'd carry her out of there and get on a truck and drive. Uh, well, I'd drive to Canada. I'd drive. Yeah. I'd totally go North. Drive North. Well, Very white North, my friend. I appreciate that. I, uh, you know, it's leave, leave me, but don't leave your wife. That's the way the world works. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we cut over to Tara, Jesus, and Morgan. They're doing their thing, and they are leading the prisoners that they took at the satellite station along the road back to the hilltop. Now, it looked like an awful lot of prisoners. Yeah, it, it was a lot of it prisoners. It seemed like a lot more than they had at the satellite station last week. There was a lot. I guess, but it felt like... I mean, how many people were in that place? First of all, they killed an awful lot and they still have, it looks like dozens of people walking back along this this highway. Yeah. I mean, all the people that came out of those, you know, big doors might not have been everybody in the compound that was left. Yeah. There's people up on the satellite dishes. There's people hiding in the machinery behind, you know, server racks. Yeah. (laughs) uh, You know, hiding in the toilets. Uh, There's, you know, people hiding everywhere. So they- they rounded them all up. They uh, made them hang on to a string like toddlers at mm-hmm. the daycare. And uh, off they go for a walk. Yeah. Stay with your buddy. <laughs> stay, yeah. Everybody's got a buddy. Let's go. And we're going to string them up together. Now, Tara and is riding in the back of a pickup truck that's leading the way. And some guy she's there with, I honestly don't know who that character is. And I forgot to look him up. But he he's not familiar to you, is he? No. No. So he he, he reminds Tara that... Maggie will know what to do, uh, but, you know, Tara's not so sure. Uh, as they're walking, though, Jared starts whistling, which annoys Morgan so much that he hits him. And uh, Jesus and Morgan talk about what they're doing again. Jesus insists that this is the right thing to do because no matter what they've done, they're people and, you know, they can't just be executed. But Morgan disagrees with this. Uh, and you know, they talk about the fact that they've killed and they will kill. And, but Jesus goes on to say, you know, I've killed, but I don't execute people. And Morgan replies with, well, I have. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just, it's a philosophical difference, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. But this is another one of those scenes where I started to feel myself going, all right, guys, we understand we've had this or similar conversations before. Uh, let's move on, please. You don't need to hit us over the head with this. Uh, right. It wasn't just last week. It's it's a theme running throughout the run of this show that, you know, do you kill people? Do you not? Uh, and what do you have to do to continue moving on in this world? So this is where I started to feel a little bit of the tediousness, uh, even though I, I, I appreciate the theme and I, I don't think the show should stop finding ways to present that theme, but it does it have to be so in our face? Right. It's kind of where I was at at this point. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of of two minds here. One, you know, when you're, when you're kind of talking about a theme and you're pushing a theme in a, in a season of a, a television show, that's okay. But if you're telling the audience something they already know, you've failed as a writer. Yeah, and that's the problem I think we're in in this situation here. We already know this. And in fact, they had, you know, the same conversation one episode earlier. Yeah. Different characters, maybe Jesus and Tara, but kind of with Morgan anyway. So that's just, that's maybe just me, but uh, I was feeling it. Yeah. 
Uh, Rick and Morales, back to them. Rick is asking about Morales' family now, and he says his family never made it to Birmingham. Rick apologizes, says he's sorry, and he lists the people that he's lost. He lists Lori, Shane, Andrea, and Glenn, and he's trying to appeal to Morales by telling him what Negan did and mentions that Glenn had a pregnant wife. What about Dale, huh? You just forgot about Dale? Oh, yeah. He didn't Where's bring Dale? up Dale. <laughs> I, that's, I was yelling at the, I was actually yelling at the TV. Oh. Like, Dale, 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 hello. Well. What about Dale? I agree with you. I think Rick was going for the people that would have the most impact. And of course, that's Glenn because Negan killed Glenn. He didn't mention Abraham, but that's because Morales wouldn't have known yeah. Abraham. But he knew Dale. He did know Dale. But why then, you know, why not mention Amy, uh, Andrea's well, sister? I think Morales was there when Amy died. That was before, I think that's before he left. Oh, you're right. She died. She got, oh yeah, you're right. He, she was still there. So he already knows that. Yeah. No. So the only one he left off was Dale. As far as I know. Or Dale. Just forgot about him. Maybe it's because he's, uh, uh, Jeffrey DeMunn is, uh, what's his name's personal friend. Uh, <laughs> what? Damn it. The guy who started this show, he did, uh, The Mist and- Frank uh, Darabont. Frank Darabont. Maybe that's be- because they're personal friends and I was a dig at Frank Darabont because of his, uh, uh, his lawsuit. Well. That's the only thing I can think of. It's right. We're going to, we're going <laughs> to, we're not going to mention Dale because he's a personal buddy of yours and you're suing us. So. <laughs> right. Okay. Maybe. Well, I guess he could have mentioned Dale. Yeah. I mean, it's only four letters. Friggin' put Dale comma space in there somewhere and everything would have been fine. All right. Well, he was going for impact, and I think Lori, Shane, those are good ones. Yeah, all good. Andrea, and of course, Glenn. You know, and at this point, I, I felt like Morales was softening a tiny bit. Like he was, Rick was getting through to him, but then Rick goes and asks Morales if he's Negan too, which uh-huh. seems to anger Morales again, and he says he is Negan, and to make it this far, he had to be. Right. So he kind of raises his gun again. Now, Morales tries to tell Rick that they aren't really all that different. He says, we're just two assholes trying to survive. And he says, if the tables were turned and Rick had the gun on him, he thinks he'd be dead already. Hmm. So he doesn't think Rick would show even the amount of compassion that he's showing by standing there talking to him. Uh, Rick seems to, I think he started to stumble over his words here. Like he kind of started to run out of things to say or or wasn't sure, you know, where to take this conversation next. But suddenly, Daryl appears behind them and puts a bolt through Morales' neck. (laughs) Yeah. And now, incidentally, just before it happens, Rick yells, wait, no, but Daryl shoots anyways. Yeah, that's the same conversation that uh, Morgan and Jesus were having. What do you mean? Shortened, you know. Do I kill? Do I not kill? Wait, no. Bolt through the neck. Uh, you know, Daryl's exhibiting this kind of behavior all through this episode. True. Uh, he does it a little later as well. So I think Rick is on the same side as Jesus. Like you don't necessarily have to kill everybody, but, uh, you know, Daryl's like, no, these fuckers had me in a cage, make me listen to stupid music. Uh, I'm going to kill them all. Yeah. And Daryl even says, you know, he recognized him, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so, so that's that. And, but, but see, this scene worked so much better because, I mean, yes, it's kind of shocking that Rick is willing to kill everybody. And then as soon as he sees someone he knows, he has a bit of a change of heart, but that's fine. 
in my opinion, to be honest. Like, this is showing that Rick is struggling a little bit with this decision of what to do. With, you know, with Morgan, he is, he's being strong-armed into not killing the people, and Jesus is being absolutely unwavering in his decision to not kill the people who surrendered. I'm not trying to advocate that they should kill people who surrender in a war. I mean, you don't do that. No. Um, but that end of things is being handled with a bit of a ham fist. This, I thought, was handled a lot better. It right. was. It was. It was the only. The only thing I. The only problem I had with this was that uh, they introduced. Uh, they introduced him at the end of the last episode. Like it's a big reveal. Oh my God, he's returned. Uh, it's going to change everything. It's going to make the dynamic so different. And within the first, uh, uh, I guess, 15 minutes of the episode, he gets a bolt through the neck and it, well, that's it. 15 minutes is uh, the only, you know, everybody gets 15 minutes of fame. You got 15 minutes of, on the show other than the first season. Right. Well, I mean, I just want to say that I called it last week. I said, Daryl's going to rescue Rick, right? He's going to sneak up on him and kill him. Sure enough. It's exactly what happened. Well, they didn't need to kill him off right away. I mean, show up behind him, put a gun to the back of his head, make him back down, you know, have him be part of the negotiation team with Negan, convert him maybe just Mm -hmm. as a, you know, for entertainment purposes or, you know, morality purposes or whatever. But, uh. Yep. Yeah, I guess not. No, you're right. I would have actually liked to see him stick around a little bit longer, find out a little bit more of of what he's gone through, um, and and maybe find out, you know, how he became part of Negan's group. Uh, but no, you're right. He's he's killed off almost immediately, so that's it. I know there are people out there that disagree with me, thinking, okay, Morales is back, but good God, do we have to learn about what happened to him now? Uh, I'm not saying he needed a whole episode of backstory, but interesting to see what his dynamic is in this group of saviors maybe yeah but you know have him oh i don't know just try and reintegrate him back into uh you know the rick and the gang Mm -hmm. and then eventually he'll go fuck it i'm leaving it's like again really you're gonna leave again (laughs) no it's just gonna be me this time everything's fine we'll see you later yeah yeah and then eight seasons from now he can show up again with uh his new family and like three rvs and uh, have like, uh, it could be like the road warrior showing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it would be like a, a roving band of nomads. That'd be awesome. Totally. Have him do 15 minutes every eight seasons. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't do that now. <laughs> no, not anymore. Well, anyways, we cut out to the road with the prisoners again. And Jared is still taunting Morgan, telling him his armor has shrunk. And he teases him for wearing Ben's armor. Of course, he killed Ben. And uh, Morgan was not happy about that at all. And this sets Morgan off a bit. He turns around, points a gun at him. But suddenly, walkers start having a hill rolling party and coming down the hill by the side of the road and attack everybody on the road. That looks like fun. Do your kids like rolling down hills? They do. I mean, they haven't done it as much as when they were younger a little bit but i thought it looked dumb to be honest well it obviously was dumb but i just was thinking it looked like it could be fun for toddlers and sure zombies yeah yeah. kids love rolling down hills yeah of course but i just thought it was sort of stupid looking to be honest I'm, i'm okay with a walker attack although it felt like again they came out of absolutely nowhere and like they were on the road with these people um, instantly, you know, 
Uh, but that's fine. That's fine. The camera can't see it. Characters can't see it. Uh, that's, it's a rule. That's right. I was going to call back to your rule there. It's a rule I've never really thought of before, but it seems to be an important rule in movies and television. Yeah. No, uh, just this show. Well, yes and no, but you come on. You you see it in horror movies all the time. Well, you do. Bad horror movies. But you should watch some old Buster Keaton stuff because it, it absolutely is a rule. It's a, it's a lot of fun. He has another rule, which is all the stunts have to be absolutely real. So everything you see him do, he did. And uh, he his another rule was, if I can't get it in one take, we're not doing it. Well, yeah, I, I think <laughs> I've seen a sort of a highlight reel of him doing his own stunts, actually. And... Uh, it was. I got that from uh, there's a YouTube channel called uh, Every Frame a Painting, which goes. It has a bunch of uh, interesting videos, and one of them is Buster Keaton, and he talked about that rule. Yeah. So I'm adopting it. All right, I'm going to look it up. Uh, anyways, they fight off these zombies mostly. I mean, a couple of, or at least one guy gets his head bit open. Um, but in the mayhem, one string of the prisoners run off into the woods, and Morgan goes after them. As he's chasing them, one of them falls down, allowing Morgan to catch up, and Morgan shoots that guy dead. He just shoots one of them. He goes to shoot another, but Jesus steps in and stops him. Okay, so I need to talk about this because I tried to go frame by frame to see what the F happened. Did Jesus shoot the rifle so that he couldn't uh, make the shot, or did he kick the rifle so that the shot and then the shot went off because there was a shot that rang out but I couldn't tell if it was Morgan's rifle or if it was Jesus uh, shooting at the rifle itself because Jesus was too far away to actually reach the rifle. Wait a minute. Uh, and it was too quick. I didn't know what happened. What happened? Well my understanding and I watched it twice but not frame by frame is that Morgan shoots the first guy yep. and then he goes to aim at the next guy. Yep. But, but Jesus shows up, knocks the rifle with his arm or part of his body, and um, the shot rings out still because Morgan pulls the trigger, but Jesus knocks it away, and uh, um, they start their, well, they, they argue before starting their fight, but I, I, my understanding is Jesus knocked the rifle out of, okay. not, not out of his hand, but, you know, knocked his aim off. Jesus was too far away, in my opinion. Like the, uh, it was a couple of shots there. One, uh, like camera shots. There was one shot uh, pointing down the rifle when he took the first shot and killed the first uh, savior. Okay. Uh, then the second shot, the rifle moves, right? And we hear, the rifle moves and we heard a shot. So that's what I was confused about is, did the shot cause the rifle to move or was the rifle moving and then Morgan fired? And then, uh, so that, that's, Camera was actually pointing at Morgan uh, just before that. And then it panned over to Jesus, but Jesus was a little too far away to reach. He was beyond arm's reach Wait. and beyond the reach of his legs. So the only thing I can think of is two things. One, he shot the rifle with some kind of weapon and then caused it to go off and uh, not make it Morgan shot or two, Jesus used some kind of force push yeah. uh, power that he has that he just, you know, he just willed the rifle to go off, uh, to, to move. So it just, it looked very awkward and the frame by frame did not provide any clarity as to what actually happened. All right. Well, I'll have to go back and take another look because in my mind, I can, I feel like I can remember seeing an actual camera shot of Morgan, like, uh, sorry, of Jesus, knocking into Morgan and like knocking the rifle off target. 
for me, it was unclear. Like, mind you, I had to, uh, you know, I was watching it from the, the iTunes uh, feed and I was, you know, rapidly clicking the uh, space bar to play pause, play pause, play pause, play pause. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's not the, the most accurate way of uh, watching it. Right. But uh, yeah, from what I could see, it was unclear as to what happened. I was looking, you know, Jesus is wearing a green armband and Morgan is wearing a red one. I looked for the green armband, but they're both wearing kind of dark colors. So, and it was a very blurry kind of thing. So I really couldn't tell what was going on, going on. So I need a little help. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to check it when we're done here. Uh, But my understanding is that Morgan just, or I keep saying Morgan, that Jesus like pushed him, pushed him. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, But... In any case, they um, they argue about what to do now. Jesus, uh, Morgan says that these guys ran off into the forest and they had no other option. Uh, but Jesus says, again, they'll find another way, sort of touting Maggie will agree with him. And uh, Morgan says they're the same as the saviors, you know, in their attitude. They're killing everyone. Uh, so it's okay, is what he's saying. And Jesus tries to convince them that they are at war, but they will have to find a way to peace because when they when they do have peace, they're going to have to live with these people somehow. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. I'm finally, I'm glad they finally brought that up. That is a legitimate motivation that is slightly different than for the, just the common good. It's we have to live with these people when this is all done. Yeah, and and I agree with you a hundred percent. They someday they will not be at war, and if there's nobody left, then I I don't want to say what was the point, but if there's nobody left, there's nobody left. In theory, there will be people left after this. One side will technically win the war, and you're right. Jesus is right too. He's saying we have to live with them. If we're completely brutal, they're not going to want to live with us. <laughs> you know, it took three episodes to get there. Yes. And that's frustrating, but I'm glad we finally got there and we finally have a motivation. It's not that he's just, you know, altruistic and wants to be good for goodness sake. Uh, He actually has a long-term idea in mind. Holy shit, somebody's thinking long-term. Yeah, and and I'm I'm happy to hear it, right? Honestly, because it's, it's not just we shouldn't kill them all because they're people. I mean, that's... You know, that's a good reason. You shouldn't yeah, kill people. There's lots of people, right? Right. But in a war, people are going to die and, and there will be casualties. Uh, but this is a small scale war on the on the grand scheme of things. <laughs> uh, and But Jesus is right. And I'm glad. I'm with you. I'm glad they finally kind of got to that point because at least it explains where Jesus is coming from and it could convince other people, right? And yep. I th- and I think later on, he doesn't say that in so many words to Maggie, but I think she feels maybe the same way. Uh, but anyways, Morgan attacks Jesus and they, they start fighting. Uh, and, you know, this scene, I'm never a huge fan of allies coming to blows. Uh, I, I feel it's a little bit tropey. It didn't bother me here because I, I did think the choreography of the fight was really good. And I thought these two guys were really, really amazing as uh, people fighting each other. One yeah. of the things that Morgan or Lenny James said on his panel at Walker Stalker Con is that he trains with that bow or that uh, staff a lot. And he said that he didn't want anything depicted on the show that he couldn't do himself with the staff in real life. 
So he's obviously been training a lot with it because he looked really good with it. And I think it was a super entertaining to watch these guys fight, even though I was kind of thinking to myself, oh God, it's two friends fighting over something again. Why can't they just find another way to express their differences? Ah, I was all for it. It was a couple of ninjas going at it, uh, doing awesome things. I was, uh, I was like, this is going to be an interesting fight. It's going to be like breakdance fighting. It's going to be great. Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, it was an interesting fight, and, and this is the best they could have done it, probably. Maybe it's the motivation behind it that I'm still struggling with, which we, which we have talked about a bit here. They're trying to show us Morgan's struggle, his on-again, off-again attitude towards killing, and this time it came to blows with his supposed ally. So while the fight mechanics were good, the reason for it, I'm not totally on board with. Right. For me, it was the ends justify the means. Yeah. Like, I don't care why they're fighting. Just the fact that they're fighting is awesome. Right. And, and I, I guess so. Yeah. Um, but I wrote down here, it, it feels like the opposite story of when it was the wolves, right? In that case, Morgan was asked to kill everybody, but didn't want to. Now he wants to kill everybody, but he's being asked to spare their lives. And yeah. that's the, I think that's the root of the problem for me that, this character goes from one one side to the other seemingly fairly easily. And I know he's suffered a lot and he's changed a lot. And Morgan is actually one of my favorite characters, but it's it's the same situation just kind of flipped on its head. Yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out what his alignment is, uh, you know, really. Because he keeps flip-flopping back and forth and obviously he's having some trouble leveling, leveling up because once you switch alignment, you, uh, you have some issues there. But... Uh, you know, is he uh, lawful evil? Like, just kill everybody because it's the right thing to do? Because uh, okay. everybody's dead already? Or is it, uh, you know, no, don't kill anybody because that's the right thing to do because every life is precious. Well, you know, it's like they are diametrically opposed and you can't have both at the same time. And what, which one is his real character? Right. Because he's exhibited both. And I don't know which one his real character is. Is it possible that they, they are both, that he is both and that he's, he, he, he can't be them both at the same time, but he can go from one to the other. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's confusing. It'd be better if it was two separate characters. Like Morgan as the, uh, Aikido don't kill anybody guy. I liked more than this Morgan. Yeah, I think I did too, because Morgan has been multiple different kinds of crazy on the show. He was clearing for a while, and now he's mass murdering, or at least wants to, whereas before he was he was all life is precious. And I must admit, I'm with you there. I find that Morgan a little more interesting, and I wish yeah. they'd kind of kept going with that some more. So, Well, he'll get back there eventually, right? It Next seems- season, he won't want to kill anybody. He'll get rid of the staff and he'll be going around giving uh, zombies hugs. <laughs> yeah. That's all they really want is a nice hug. That's right. That's it. If they just give them hugs, they'd all be okay and we could move on. Yeah. They're just, they're cold and they just want to be hugged and warmed up a little bit, I think. They're dead after all. Who, yeah. who wouldn't want to be warmed up? Okay. Well, let's move on. There's a commercial break and we, when we come back, we are... With Ezekiel again, and similar to the cold open, he's given a motivational speech, and this time, you know, he's standing over the Savior's dead bodies from the ambush, Uh, and this speech is intercut with their next outpost attack, 
then another ambush, and they just mow down another large group of saviors. So just more mass murdering by this group of people while Ezekiel stands there like celebrating it. And it's not murder, it's war. I understand, I understand, but that doesn't mean it's not shocking, at least to me. It's killing, yes, it's absolutely killing, but, it, you know, murder is very specific, and uh, killing people in war is not murder. Does he have to be so jubilant about it, though? Like, he, he's, he's almost starting, like, he keeps saying how not a single one of us is lost, you know, we're not going to lose a single member of our ranks, and, you know, I guess that's something to be happy about, but my, this is war, and they are killing people. And adrenaline does weird things, you know, oh, maybe, makes, you know, be, surviving a battle can make you very happy, you know, and you have to dehumanize the enemy yeah. uh, to the point where killing them, uh, doesn't really affect you morally. Cause, uh, you know, that shit will come later, believe me, but, uh, sure. not that I know, but, you know, believe what I believe is basically what I'm saying. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I you know. When the, the adrenaline's pumping after a, after an encounter like this, uh, you know, being jubilant is probably not the weirdest thing. You may be right, but maybe I was just getting a little bit tired of seeing it. But now we'll get to it. But the way the episode ends, um, I was actually quite glad to see because this is going to change Ezekiel's attitude a great deal, I, I would think. Uh, but we'll get there in a minute. Uh, we, we cut back after the Ezekiel scene to Rick and Daryl, and they're trying to fight their way out of the building, uh, because the saviors have arrived or they're coming in. So this is where I started to realize that they turned around and the saviors came back into the building. And now they're sort of fighting their way inside the building that Rick and Daryl were inside. And so coincidence. Team, so team Aaron was outside keeping them busy out there while Rick and Daryl went in to search for the guns. And that's what I didn't get from last week's episode, but I they didn't got now. tell us that. I don't, I don't think it's just a matter of you not getting it. I don't think they told us that. No, I, I don't think so either, except that you can hear uh, gunfire at times when Rick and Daryl are inside. Now, I didn't put two and two together, uh, but apparently I think that's what we were supposed to do. So right. anyways, they're trying to fight their way out. Uh, they get pinned down in a hallway. They're stuck, but they're fighting back. We go back to Morgan and Jesus. They're fighting still. Jesus tries to talk to Morgan again, but Morgan just continually is attacking him. Uh, both men, one of the things I liked about this fight is both men got some good blows in against each other. They seemed pretty uh, evenly matched, but to me, only Morgan felt like he was really trying to hurt or even kill Jesus. Uh, Jesus was mostly defending himself. Well, I wouldn't even say defending himself, just kind of stopping the Well, that's, blows. De that's defending himself. But I, wow. I, I realized yeah. this because there was a moment where Jesus was on the ground and Morgan goes to staff him and, you know, Jesus rolls out of the way, but that staff hits the ground with a great deal of force. And we know that staff goes through skulls pretty easily. So if it had hit and sternums, as you mentioned, if it had hit oh, yeah. Jesus, it would have gone right through him and killed him. So, yeah, because uh, everybody's made out of paper mache in this world. I guess so. Yeah, but and I'm, or nerf, or nerf. Yeah. <laughs> so, but what I'm saying is, Morgan was really trying to inflict damage to Jesus, whereas Jesus was just trying to defend himself from those blows. 
Yeah. I got the impression that, uh, like, they did get a couple of blows in, but I kind of got the impression that uh, Jesus was uh, uh, a lot like Neo at the end of The Matrix. It was just, you know, I could, I'm going to fight you, but you really can't hurt me because I'm just going to stop your blows. Right. And tire you out and then talk to you because uh, you're 50 some odd years old and uh, I'm only 20 some odd and uh, you're going to tire. I bet you Tom Payne is 40 in real life, almost. I don't know. I, I hope that I'm as... I'm, there's no way in hell I'll ever be as in good shape as Lenny James when I'm 50, but <laughs> I'm jealous. You better start now if you want to be. <laughs> oh, I better start 10 years ago and change knees and ankles and uh, other various body parts And like over. E- eating and exercise habits and all those things. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. It's too late for me. All right. Well, I'm Go so, on without me. I, I'm sorry World. to hear that. I'll <laughs> lean you up against the tree with a gun and just leave you, okay? <laughs> yeah, I want long passionate kiss first, please. Okay. At least you'll feel better about that. Yeah. Back with Rick and Daryl, they both start to run out of ammo. So Rick ends up shooting a fire extinguisher, which starts spraying out the fire extinguishing stuff on the inside. Mm. And they use it as cover and they run up and kill the saviors that have them pinned down. It's a good idea. And then they're basically rescued by Aaron. They hear Aaron and they yell to each other, but we don't see Aaron at this point. So there you go. Same building. Uh, Aaron is now there and they came in from the outside. I don't know. Maybe he has a teleportation spell and he can get to wherever he needs to go. Nope. Same building. All right. Uh, back. Keep it, you know, the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was too simple or not simple enough. I'm not sure. Uh, Morgan and Jesus. They continue fighting but eventually jesus disarms morgan and he asks him if the fight is over he throws his stick back to morgan as a show of good faith maybe or friendship but morgan swings and puts it right up to jesus's throat and if he'd wanted to he could have just slid it right through the guy's neck yep this and throated him right but he doesn't uh morgan suddenly he stops fighting and suddenly seems confused Uh, he says something like, I'm not right. I know that I'm not right, but that doesn't make me wrong. Great line. Yeah. Good line. And you know, even right, even before he says that, I I got the feeling that Morgan didn't even really know where he was or what he was doing. So he was in kind of a rage, which he suddenly snapped out of. Uh, and then he says he can't be a part of this, but now Tara has approached with everybody else. And she says that Morgan is right. So she's on Morgan's side about wanting to kill everybody. Yeah, he may be crazy, but that doesn't make him wrong. No, but he's right. <laughs> and we are, we already sort of knew that, but I guess she needed to show up and remind us. Well, I can tell you that if I exerted that much energy in that short of a time period, uh, at the end of it, I'd be disoriented. Right, and not know, have any idea what just happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'd probably be on the ground going... <laughs> Or something. That was gross. <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, realistic. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I've been playing hockey lately and that is, that is hard for a old <laughs> fat guy like me. And, and so, um, you Good know, times. I get pretty, pretty winded after that. Do you wake up in the middle of the night because your glutes hurt? Uh, no, no, but. That's, that's good. I, I, I sometimes do wake up in the middle of the night because my shoulders hurt. And I, I, I don't know oh, if yeah. it's a pillow problem or a mattress problem, but I need to get that figured out because it's starting to annoy me. Okay. Well, sleep on your belly. It's hard with the breathing mask on. It's, it's, no, you can do it. 
Yeah. Well, that's the nice thing about the breathing mask is you can sleep facing straight down. Where you can't do that without the breathing mask because you'd suffocate to death. <laughs> oh, you have a different mask than I do. I have a full face mask. You only have the one that goes on your nose, right? Just tiny little nose pillows. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Now you're, you is, die. Yours okay. is a full face mask? Yeah, I can't. I sleep with my mouth like way open. There's no way that a, that a nose thing would uh, would work for, on me. Okay. Well, I have some questions about that, but that's for later. Okay. Anyways, in case anyone's sure. wondering, yes, both Jason and I use CPAP machines. So yeah, we, we don't have a CPAP podcast. That'd be awesome. Oh, we should. So it's so we don't stop breathing in our sleep. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, it also prevents us from kissing at night. It does. <laughs> All right. Um, where the hell are we? We come back from a commercial break <laughs> and we're at the hilltop. Enid is there on the wall looking out. A car drives up honking and of course it's Gregory and he wants to be let in. So they open the gates a bit and Maggie is there. First thing she does is ask about Father Gabe and he says, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> come on, man. You know, she even said, I think, why do you have his car? And he couldn't say... I guess he didn't want to say I stole it from him and left him to die because that really doesn't look good on him. Yeah. Um, but Gregory claims that he went to the saviors in the interest of diplomacy and he actually had everyone's best interest in mind. Not that in he his was, mind, he's not wrong. Well, again, not that he was a traitor or he was a coward or anything. He says he went to go and try to talk them into, you know, not fighting over all this. And he says Negan made him say the things he did, but he, tr he claims that he tried to save lives when everyone else was preoccupied with vengeance. And, and, and I think that's the line that here that was important to me. He was the only character that realized everybody else here isn't thinking straight. They all just want vengeance for what happened, but maybe that's not the right approach. Maybe there is a way to make this work. I don't agree with that, but I can see that perspective of things because he was a bit of an outsider. Yes, I think that's an interesting way of uh, looking at the situation after the fact. His motivations are entirely self-centered. They're not altruistic in any way, shape, or form. I'm doing this for the greater good. Everybody else is being crazy. I'm the only one that's rational enough to go and try and, uh, you know, mediate this particular situation. Mm -hmm. He was doing it for his own damn good and he's coming up with a plausible excuse after the fact. I totally agree with you, but but I do also think that it is a plausible excuse and if there was somebody who wasn't so as weaselly as him that it in there there could have been a character that actually felt this way and actually saw things differently than we just need to get revenge and eliminate this threat yeah um generally speaking there are people that do this in real life that have these opinions when the chips are down and uh, things are about to you know escalate to some kind of war footing yep and these people invariably commit political and career suicide when they do this because it, it is not generally an accepted way of dealing with uh, that kind of situation but they do exist uh and they do try and speak out to uh, to make things better by negotiating rather than uh, being, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for here? Uh, being hard? I don't know. <laughs> I, it's, it can't be right. But I, I know what you mean. Like it's, they commit career suicide or whatever because it's not the popular thing to do at the time. It becomes more of an attractive option after the fact, which yeah. is why I think Gregory was 
going for this at this moment. And, you know, Maggie doesn't let him in, but then he kind of starts begging for mercy and she agrees to open the gate and let him back in and says he's not worth killing. So I guess we'll just let him in. Um, <sighs> but I can. Well, he he's worth exiling. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Done. Yeah. People you don't have to deal with that guy anymore. We're just going to close the door here. You take that stolen car from uh, the guy you don't know, apparently, and go drive back to those people that you wanted to negotiate with, because uh, if they don't accept you, well, you're pretty hosed there. Mm-hmm. So exile, I think, is the perfect uh, perfect thing to do for this guy. Yeah. You don't have to kill him. You don't have to let him in either. No, you're right. I think exile would have been a, a good option. And she initially doesn't want to, but once he starts begging... She lets him in. So, uh, I don't know. I, I can see his, uh, his point, but I also, why, well, I mean, I can see how, what he said he was trying to do might've been a good approach, but at the same time, I don't think there's any negotiating with Negan. So we ever going to get a hero episode of Gregory? Oh God. I hope not. I, I just feel like I that. Know. I feel like that would be so stupid at this point to all this time work on how much of a bastard he is and then make him a hero just before he dies ben redeemed himself and lost well (laughs) he was a likable character at the end of that show and he was such a bastard at the beginning yeah but this is gregory i know i don't know you know it's uh it, it can be done I think that having him redeem himself and be a likable character at the end of this show is possible. Well, I don't want to see it. Let's just put it that way. I enjoy how much I dislike the character. And I just want to see him get what's coming to him eventually. So. Yeah. Um, What happens now? We... Oh, yes, of course. At this point, Jesus and everybody shows up with all the prisoners and Gregory starts yelling that there's no way we can let them in. <laughs> I know you just let me in, but we can't let them in too. They are They're the... tied together with a string. They're obviously worse than worse people than I am. Oh, of course, right? Uh, but Maggie puts him in his place, uh, but seems to agree with him. You know, they can't let him in. Jesus explains that they surrendered and now they can't let them go, but they also can't kill them. So what are they going to do? Who knows? We will POW find... camp. It's the only solution. Yeah, build I guess so. Build barracks for them and lock them in. Lock them in. Keep Make them... them build their own barracks. Keep them busy at least. Yeah. Well, we, we'll find out next week maybe because we go to the aftermath of Team Aaron's battle. Rick and Daryl are there. So again, same building. And they're cleaning up the remaining walkers. They're stabbing heads. They're attending to the wounded. And Rick is there taking pictures. So he's taking more Polaroids which we've seen him do in all three episodes now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see six bodies covered by sheets. So does this mean that six friendlies died? Six people on Team Aaron were killed in the firefight? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Or Fra- six, yeah, I don't know. Fran- that's the only real explanation, I guess. Francine being one of them, and I guess just mystery red shirts being the rest, because Eric's not there. He's against that tree, Still, as far as we know. Yeah, living it up. Living it up, yeah. Um, But before we go to that, we see Rick writing a note, but we don't see what he's writing or what he does with the note, right? Uh, No, I didn't see it. Okay, so there's there's a note that Rick is writing that will come into play later on, I guess. Dear diary. Yeah. (laughs) I shot 12 people today. (laughs) I was especially murderous. (laughs) Uh, Aaron goes back to find Eric, but he's gone. 
and in the distance we see zombie Eric walking away, which is pretty sad. Aaron goes to approach him, but Scott shows up and stops him. Scott comforts him a little bit, and they turn around to leave. So Eric did not survive, and now he's wandering off to join the masses of undead and leave Aaron behind. Why would they not put him down? I don't know. You know, I'm I'm not sure about that. And and I, I also thought it was strange to to shoot him from so far away and not really show us once and for all that that was Eric walking away. Well, it had to be. It obviously was, right? Well, like what's I, the other explanation? He climbed the tree and he's up there hiding? Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I really hope that they don't they don't because um, Ross Marquand was really great in this scene. I thought, you know, you could, you could feel the, the grief in him in this moment. And, and I don't want to go through that and have the character go through that. If Eric is actually just alive and we, we find out he's okay, you know, next week somewhere, that would just feel really manipulative. And I don't well, want that to happen. Yeah. They can't, he can't live now. That'd be cheap. It would be cheap. Yeah. Totally. Why wouldn't you put him down? If you were a zombie, I'd shoot you right in the face. Well, yeah, I, I don't know why they wouldn't put him down. Maybe Scott thought it was too dangerous. Maybe thought Scott thought that Aaron wouldn't be able to do it, you know? So I don't know. They let him walk away. Yeah. But now you get it. Can you believe that I, I wouldn't be able to live with the lack of closure? You know, if somebody I loved that much, uh, died and they were walking the world as an undead person corpse mm-hmm. uh in that absolute hell i just i wouldn't be able to live with myself yeah you know at least by shooting you in the face and uh you know i might bury you i might burn you i don't know yet but uh i'd get some kind of closure out of it it'd be good for me to shoot you in the face yeah I, see what i'm saying I absolutely agree i'm sure it would feel great <laughs> well i feel uh, better than not shooting you in the face yes at the least for sure and you know there is I, I can probably say this without spoiling, but early on in the comic, some character dies and they don't at the time know that uh, everybody comes back and oh, they yeah. move on. And then later on, issues later, they realize this, Rick decides to go back, dig that person up and re-kill them. And that's exactly what you're saying. You need that closure, right? Because otherwise Rick knows that that character is just buried underground, um, you know, undead. undead. And, and oh, yeah. that's, that's a horrible thought. So that was great in the comic early on in the comic. That was fantastic. Agreed. I think that was a great scene. Uh, just a, a whole great thing that they did there. And it's the same thing here, but they leave Eric to wander, <laughs> wander the world alone. Yeah. Like and, un, and undead, uh, commercial break. We come back. Aaron is still mourning. Rick comes out of the building with baby Gracie. So we get some closure on the baby, which is nice. And he asks Tobin to take her, but Aaron says he can take her to the hilltop. Rick, you know, asks if he's sure, but then he agrees to give the baby to Aaron. So that was kind of nice. Hopefully Aaron isn't too grief stricken to take care of a baby for a short trip. Was that a real baby? Looked like a real baby. It did look like a real baby. It looked like a real baby in the crib too last week. Yeah. It looked like a very calm, real baby for being on TV. Yeah. That they had like 12 babies and they picked the calmest one for that particular shot. It's possible, but I I don't know. I mean, they also have pretty convincing fake babies these days. So they do. I don't know. Uh, Now Rick says he has a stop to make on the way back as they're getting ready. So I'm thinking the note he was writing has something to do 
with this side trip he's going on, which reminded nah, me he's going to find a Wendy's. Well, it reminded me of when Luke gets in the X-Wing and says, you know, R2's like, are we meeting back up with the fleet or whatever? And he says, no, we got somewhere else to go. And they go to Dagobah. Yeah. Right? So I think Wendy's, I guess he's going to Wendy's maybe. <laughs> um, uh, but they're getting ready to leave. And Daryl says to him, are you sure you want to talk to those assholes alone? So is Rick going back to talk to the saviors or some group of saviors? Again? No, he's going to go talk to the, uh, the garbage people. Oh, of course he's going to the scavengers. That makes so much more sense. Yeah. Next he's week. He's got to go gonna... talk to them because we haven't seen them in a while. Yeah. He's going to show up there alone and they're going to be like, okay, you want to sleep with me now? If you sleep with me now, I'll, we'll join your side and be Rick like, oh, if I have to. <laughs> if I have to have sex with you, I will. You're right. A hundred percent. He's going back to see Jadis. And, but Rick's reply to, to Daryl in this scene is that's how it gets done. So he's going there alone on purpose. To have to, sex, yeah. To do it, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's how it gets done. <laughs> if I go there with you, it's just going to ruin the vibe, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're friends and everything, but uh, I don't want to have sex with her with you. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. I don't want you standing around or, you know, yeah, get you into know. a threesome of some kind. That's yeah, not going to work out. Yeah, you know, out. I mean, to some people, it'd be okay to, you know, high five and stuff, but... Uh, you, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> Maybe season one, Daryl, with the short hair when oh, it was yeah. blonde. <laughs> yeah, and squirrels. And squirrels and ears, but not season eight, Daryl. No. Uh, now, just as they're getting ready to leave, a shot rings out. Somebody shoots at them. They duck behind their cars and they don't see anyone, but Rick yells that for the shooter to drop his gun and come out. And he says that if he answers their questions and, you know, agrees to that, he'll let him live and give him a vehicle. So he's making a deal with him. Uh, a pretty fairly young kid comes out from behind a tree and uh, they ask if there were any M250 caliber guns here. And the kid tells him that there used to be, but they got sent to Gavin's outpost yesterday. So they mm. just got moved. Coincidence? I think not. Or maybe. Or do you, or do you think it was, uh, what's his name? Dwight? Burn face. Dwight? Yeah, Dwight. Um, no, I think, I think what happened is Dwight is actually, um, giving them the best information he has, but either the guns were moved, yeah, by coincidence, or somebody else knows what's going on and, uh, they moved these weapons on purpose. Well, you think, um, uh, Eugene is the brains behind that decision? I don't He's know. He's got it all figured out what, uh, Rick and the gang are going to do. Could be. I don't know how he would know exactly, but he's smart. He is smart. He might come he up with the same bear. plan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyways, so he says they were moved yesterday. He asks if he can go. This kid asks if he can leave and Daryl just shoots him dead. <laughs> so, uh, so much for the deal. Daryl asks Rick, which team is at Gavin's? <laughs> just like, nobody cares. They nope. shot this kid. Uh, you know, Rick is, Looked a little taken aback, but uh, they didn't say anything about it. It's like, no, why did you shoot him? Daryl didn't give an explanation. It's just like, eh. Yeah. Well, this is where Daryl's at right now. He is all about killing everyone. And this is another scene that, I mean, I, I, for some reason, this didn't bother me quite as much, maybe because it was just one kid. But again, you make a deal with a kid and Rick even says, you have my word. And what's, you know, in this world, what can you trust if not a man's word? And, uh... 
I guess Daryl doesn't agree because he just decided to shoot him. It reminded me, well, of another show where something like this happens that I can't mention because it's a massive spoiler, but, uh, you know, Daryl just shot him dead. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? He's a kid. Just let him go. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> yeah. You know? But maybe he just shot him just to watch him die. Well, that's pretty cold, man. I'm going to go to Reno if they're going to do that. I guess so. Now, before the end, though, we cut back to Ezekiel, and they are at the same location of their last kind of ambush with some saviors, and they realize that their entire team is accounted for, and he sort of can't believe that they still haven't lost a single person, and so they start stabbing all the dead in the head to make sure they don't get back up again. And you knew this had to catch up with Ezekiel at some point because he suddenly realizes that there are snipers on a roof nearby and he yells scatter now. And we see a bunch of kingdom people get shot down by gunfire coming from a nearby roof, I guess. And a few guys tackle the king to protect him. And that's it. Episode Get over. shot in the back for their troubles. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But Ezekiel's going to be fine. Oh yeah, he'd be fine. Carol... Is, has just left the scene to go and inspect the inside of the building. So she's probably okay. But we do see a lot of kingdom people just get shot and go down. So th they may not have lost anyone up to this point, but now I think a good portion of the team was just eliminated. So About friggin' time. Yeah, I guess about friggin' time. It started to get a little bit crazy that, you know, they kept going on about how nobody was killed. Uh, so You can't tempt fate that many times in a row without, you know, getting mowed down by some M2s. No, no, you cannot. And it's a terrible idea to even think that you could. So, um, on one hand, I'm, I'm glad, <laughs> you know, I'm glad that this happened in a way because it, I guess it puts an end to the somewhat tedious repetition of Ezekiel, just motivate motivationally speaking to everyone. But I also don't like to see the characters get killed. And it, I found this, in a way, just as disturbing as watching them kill all the saviors earlier. So um, I think it will be good for the story, but I didn't necessarily find it all that pleasant to to watch. I, I feel like this episode had an extremely high body count. And, and actually, the first three episodes in general have had a higher body count than I feel like we've had in a long time on the show. Right. And yeah. I, I think it was getting to me a little bit. So maybe things will change going into episode four. Uh, but I also feel like they really, really need to change it up a bit now that we're getting into the, you know, the halfway part of the, or I guess the quarter mark of the season. Um, because so far it's felt like it's just being relentless in, uh, in, uh, in the pace of the episode. So slow it down, give us a breather and, uh, let's try something else for, for a week. Yeah, you know, take some time to take care of the baby and then go hunt down your boyfriend and shoot him in the face. Well, you know what? Let's let's go with that. We'll see. So yeah. take some, you know, some downtime. So I'm really looking forward to a little bit of downtime on the show. I don't want it to be boring or slow or filler, but they can they can change the tone a little bit and I will be totally okay with that. Uh, mix it up, you know, and I think that'll be fine. Um, so... This episode, uh, I think there's lots to like. I think Ross Marquand did a great job. I thought the death of Eric was pretty well handled. Those at both actors did a really nice job. Yeah. Um, but some of the repetition or the 
retreading of similar ground started to get to me a little bit. Uh, but on the one hand, we haven't seen Negan since episode one, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we still got to get back to the shitting pants. We do. We have to get back to that, and, you know, maybe we'll get back to it this week in episode four, but uh, we're not there yet, so... All right, anything else about this episode before we move on, Mr. Miles? No, I think we pretty much covered it. We sure did. All right. Other we'll... than, oh, sorry, a thought occurred to me that uh, why Rick was taking the photographs. Okay. Let's, so let's I think he was it. taking the photographs and writing the notes and going to give them to the um, uh, to the scavengers and say, look how much destruction we've caused. Uh, you know, we can either continue to cause this amount of destruction on you or you can join us. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if that's the best approach to that conversation, but you're right. He's probably taking those photographs to show the scavengers. I would think maybe to say, to show them and say, look, look how weak these people you've aligned yourself with are. You know, these are the saviors. They're, they're weak. They're disorganized. We have such an easy time kind of taking them out. You know, you're on the wrong side of this war and you better rethink your your allegiance and don't forget we've got a freaking tiger we've got a tiger and you yeah. want to have sex with me so that's a bargaining chip right there. hey it's all happening over here on this side of the war <laughs> come on over this side of the tiger <laughs> water's fine yeah it's warm and cozy okay well that's a good point i think you're right he's going to take those pictures to the scavengers and uh i hope we get into that next week because i'm looking forward to seeing jadis again mm-hmm. <laughs> And her speech patterns. And haircut. (laughs) And haircut. (laughs) Yeah. All right. uh, Let's take a short break, Jason. When we come back, we'll read some holy crap moments. Super duper. Stay with us. Hey everybody, I just wanted to remind you quickly here about our new merchandise store, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash store, and that will forward you directly over to tpublic.com where we have our stuff for sale, which for now is just one, you know, the handset logo on a shirt or a mug or a pillow or, or uh, actually I don't know about pillows, but there's, there's all kinds of stuff you can get it on a phone case. Um, so if, if, if you like that logo, you can go and check those out. But we also have a kind of curated store of other products on TeePublic that we just like. And I think there's a lot of cool stuff. I've actually bought four shirts <laughs> in the last wow. couple of weeks uh, because as I've been browsing the site, I've found some things that I liked so much I had to have it for myself. Mm. So check it out. If there's something you really dig in there, um, just to... Uh, 
you know, you can you can buy it if you want. And they're they're not expensive. They're great products. And uh, again, it helps a little bit with uh, what we're doing here. So talkingdeadpodcast.com slash store. I think there's going to be another sale coming up really soon for, uh, you know, pre-Black Friday shoppers. And um, uh, that's a good opportunity to get yourself uh, some cool stuff to, to wear. So talkingdeadpodcast.com slash store and uh, let us know what you think. Did you see that? All right, everyone. Welcome back to the program. It is time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? And our first email comes from Adam, friend of the show in Texas. Adam says, I hate to say it, but this episode was kind of Holy Crap-less. We see the story progress, we lose a character or two, and Rick advances the cause a few steps. So, I mean... After my first viewing, I kind of had that attitude, but I think there was more to this episode than Adam is giving it credit for, and I think we'll see that as we move through these holy craps a little bit. Yeah, I kind of agree with him. It was, uh, I can't think of a holy crap moment, but I'm sure the listeners have. There's yeah. more to come, right? Yeah. That's the, not the last holy crap. No, no, no. We're not just doing one and, and calling it a night here. <laughs> uh but but i as you just said i sort of agreed at first but we always watch two or three times and i find you always get more out of it the second time so um there's definitely some stuff to talk about here but miles in uh, san francisco writes holy crap it seemed like every cold open oh i'm sorry miles i wanted to mention i kind of reworded your your message a little bit here just for clarity so i hope you don't mind uh Miles writes, holy crap, it seems like every cold open they try, they like to mess with the timeline or make the editing confusing to try and make it more interesting. In what happened and what's going on, they showed Tyrese's funeral before he died. Now it's like the director goes, yo, let's try to make, uh, let's try to be like that good Tyrese death episode. People will love it. Uh, <laughs> so I went back and watched the cold open for that episode from a few years ago. And uh, it was you know, the, the gang at a funeral. And then you find out later it's, I guess, for Tyrese. Um, in this one, it was Ezekiel making one of his speeches while we intercut the, the ambush scene. Right. And while I did think it was a little weird, it, I didn't, it didn't bother me too much. I didn't find it that confusing. After the first cut back to the ambush, I realized what was going on. I think I'm of the mind of, uh, in, in this particular case, it was okay but don't do it again. Yeah. And I'm, you know what, that's, that's, uh, I, I think I'm on the, on board with you there, but I think Miles has picked up on something here that they have kind of gone a little more creative with the cold opens a bit. Artsy fartsy. Could be that, <laughs> you know, this week it was this weird cut back and forth. Last week it was the slow fading between characters faces kind of showing their emotions. Very promo like yeah yeah at at the end of the day though i actually really liked that because i felt like you got a very different feeling for those characters from the beginning of the episode to the end of last week's episode so it worked for me um 
cold open of the premiere. What was that? Oh, that was Rick and Ezekiel and Carol talking, right? On the back of the truck, at least for part of it. I think so. Yeah. Oh, and of course, the old man Rick stuff. So a little bit of jumping around there. So, you know, maybe that's going to be a thing this season. Different kind of approach to the cold opens. We'll have to see how it goes. Yeah. Don't do it again. Okay. Nuke J on the internet writes, holy crap, Morales. Oh, shit. Let's make that less Alice. <laughs> <laughs> More Alice, less Alice. Yep. Get it? Yeah. Get it? I, That's awesome. I got it. That's pretty good. Uh, Nuke J writes, as quick as he came in, he got killed off. It really just felt like a wasted opportunity and kind of a gimmick that no one would care about. It's true. Yeah. They brought him in and he was gone before you knew it. Easy come, easy go. Michael in Melbourne, Australia writes, holy crap, did you see all of the King's men struggling not to laugh? My guess is everyone kept breaking character and it was a real struggle to get through that one. The regal pep talks are hilarious. And, and I must admit, I have had that feeling at times too, when Kari Payton is there and he's putting on his best King Ezekiel it does sometimes feel like everyone around him is having a hard time not cracking up. I've seen it on Tom Payne's face. I've almost, I've kind of seen it on Carol's face. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, I think, is hanging around sometimes, even Jerry. So I, it's got to be funny listening to him on set doing those lines the way he does. Oh, I'm sure. You know, uh, but I hope someday we get to see some good outtakes of him. That would be hilarious. That'd be awesome. And maybe next time I see him at Walker Stalker Con, I'm going to ask him that question. <laughs> Do people crack up around you all the time? And is it difficult to act in that scenario? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Jackie in the UK writes, holy crap. Did you see Kari Payton's beautiful acting in the last scene before they got shot at? The way his voice faltered on the brink of tears really got to me. Being the king is clearly taking its toll. Uh, and, and what Jackie is referring to, I think is when he's talking about how they still haven't lost someone, you can almost hear him break down in that scene as if it's a, a religious moment for him. Like, you know, he's realizing, my God, we still haven't lost anybody. How can this be? And it was a nice little scene. I thought until they all got shot down. <laughs> Just up until then. Right. Up until that point. And then it became not so nice a scene. Uh, next is Chris in Syracuse. He writes, holy crap. When Gregory showed up at Hilltop and told Maggie that he didn't, uh, that it didn't matter where he, Gregory told Negan that they were coming to fight. He already knew. So Enid is a spy, right, Jason? Of course. Of course. How else would Negan know that, you know, already know everything? Well, yeah. Negan's, or, uh, Enid is a spy. She's absolutely, she's got a... A secret walkie-talkie that she uses to communicate. Or a satellite phone. I assume satellite phones would still work. There's no reason why not, right? Satellites are still orbiting the Earth, I guess. Yeah, if you can get a, you know, cell phones, maybe, maybe not, but satellite phones, I'm sure they're still working. GPS probably still works. Why wouldn't they be using GPS? I don't know. Battery power, maybe, is the problem? No, you need batteries. That's not a problem. I guess you can plug it into your car. The cars all still work. Yeah, cars still work. You know, it was, when I did the panel with Chandler and Caitlin, the question of Enid being a spy was on my list of questions. Oh, yeah. But I decided that I would leave it until the end, and then we ran out of time, so I didn't get to ask that question. Oh, and shucks. I'm 
kind of glad because I'm not sure how that would have gone over. I was going to frame it in the way that, you know, there is a long-standing fan theory out there that Enid is actually a spy for somebody and she's passing information back to probably the saviors. And, you know, what do you think about that, Caitlin? <laughs> right. But I thought that would have been an, uh, an appropriate way to approach the subject, but we didn't get around to it. I wanted people in the audience to ask their questions instead. Well, good. So maybe, maybe next time. Next time someone will uh, remember to ask that question. Yeah, but that's right. by the time we get to next time, uh, it'll all be clear because she'll come out as a spy and they'll have a trial and they'll sentence her to exile, I assume. Probably to exile, yeah. All right, let's have a call now from Matt in Virginia. Hey guys, love the podcast. This is Matt in Virginia formerly Matt from Delaware. Uh, I just want to say that my holy crap moment was, holy crap, have you seen these fancy haircuts that uh, the Kings guys have? The uh, the one guy's got a really high and tight fade that seems like an awfully excessive use of resources <laughs> and uh, unnecessary in the apocalypse. Yeah, I noticed that. I, not just that guy. It seems like there's a couple of them that have really fancy haircuts. So anyway, wanted to see if you guys had any thoughts on that or if it's just a uh, kingdom thing. But uh, yeah, also really excited to hear Officer Friendly again. That kind of made my night. So all right, guys, take care. Thanks, Matt. In Virginia. So uh, haircuts, Jason. <laughs> that's what well, he's... i to go back to the tape and look, I didn't notice haircuts. That's what he's focusing in on. I'm it... really bad at haircuts though. And I have a story about that. Well, it is a thing on the show. Like Carl hasn't cut his hair in forever. Daryl's hair is totally different than it used to be. And I guess the kingdom, they, they just like fancy haircuts, man. They want to look good in the apocalypse. Yeah. Well, maybe they have all the hair dryers. Maybe they've been collecting hair dryers for a while and they, you know, want to make use of them. Sure. I... So you get you, you know, hook up a whole bunch of car batteries and you get an inverter and then you plug in your hair dryer and everybody lines up for uh, dryer usage. And they all look really good. Maybe yeah, they just they... have a really good barber there, you know, who can... Who can kill zombies with scissors, but also cut a mean hair, cut a mean I head of hair. I assume so. If they have a blacksmith, they have a barber. Yeah. Right? Well, I think so. Alexandria just, could really use a barber. It just makes sense. Yeah. They really need a barber. They do. That's for sure. All right. Now we have an email from a different Matt in Lindenwald, New Jersey. Matt writes, Christopher and Jason Fur. That's <laughs> Why not? That's your name, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I call you Christopher Lee sometimes. Yeah. Right. And you're Jason Roney. Uh, yeah, I, Cerrone actually was uh, a nickname my, uh, my dad had for me. Oh, we'll see. Like there Jay you go. Cerrone, Jay Cerrone, Cerrone. So he would just call me that. Okay. Well. Good times. There you go. Uh, Matt writes, holy crap, Gregory speechifying to Maggie reminded me of Ebenezer Scrooge. It covered the entire span of his story. First, Gregory propped himself up, then put others down, then begged for charity and even added or even ended with, I've changed, I'm a believer now. The only difference is, I think he's still a weaselly piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, he would totally off Tiny Tim if it uh, made him a couple of extra coppers. I think so. I think so. You're completely right about that. Although I didn't make the connection until uh, Matt wrote in. That was a good one. Uh, Laprell, Laprell in New Orleans, Louisiana, my holy crap moment had to be Daryl killing Morales coldly and not caring about their past together. Clearly Daryl recognizes the guy has gone beyond hope for redemption and he has no room in his heart. 
or more importantly, time to let Morales figure it out. Yep. I have no room or patience for human beings other than friends and close friends and family. Yeah. Other than the ones that I already know well. You yep. haven't seen you in three years, so through you, you're getting an arrow <laughs> through the neck. Yeah. Uh, Graham on the internet writes, holy crap, closure on at least one story thread. Jesus slash Morgan's crew is wrapped up and put to rest. So now we can focus on Rick and Daryl and Zeke and Carol. <laughs> Man, <laughs> did I hate to see Zeke's wide-eyed optimism. Not one of us lost today come crashing down. Mm. And uh, Zeke, we've never called him Zeke, but I guess he is Ezekiel. That's true. So there you Zeke, go. Zeke is uh, short for Ezekiel? Mm, why not? Sounds like it. Okay, good. If we have Gabe, short for Gabriel, Zeke can be short for Ezekiel. Okay. Uh, Graham, uh, Gemma, I mean in South Wales, writes, My holy crap is, of course, Rick saves baby Gracie and hands her to a grieving Aaron. I breathed a huge sigh of relief after last week. Hopefully, she and Aaron will make it to Hilltop safely. And I'm sure they'll be fine. It's just what he needs. I absolutely agree. It is just what he needs. Um, and uh, the next one here, Sally on the internet reinforces that point. Sally writes, holy crap, did Aaron just become a daddy? I remember in earlier episodes, he said he and Eric were trying, but not having any luck conceiving. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. <laughs> yeah. So he became a daddy. It's what he needs. Some companionship in his life. And as we figured out last week, Jason, or last week's feedback show, um, Gracie makes it and is living with uh, Rick and Michonne in their house. Yeah. If he's going to go all the way back to Hilltop, they should go back in and get some formula or something because babies get hungry quite often. Yeah, they do. And there has to be, if the baby's living there, there's got to be some supplies in there, you would think. You would think a diaper maybe and some wipes and uh, maybe a car seat. Yeah. That'd be nice. Just, no, you know, not necessarily because you have to be safe because it's a zombie apocalypse. You have to make accommodations, but they could probably, you know, from the amount of uh, dead people in the world uh, and the amount of uh, big box stores and the amount of uh, babies kicking around, you could probably find yourself uh, a nice car seat easily mm-hmm. or at least, uh, what do you call those things? Pram? Not a pram. What do you call, Stroller? Uh, carriage? <laughs> Stroller. That's it. <laughs> Sorry, I'll, brain, I'll, it's, uh, it's after nine now, so my brain's starting to slowly shut down. Well, listen, all of those words are, are, are valid for what you were trying to get at. <laughs> <laughs> Stroller was what I was looking for. All right. I was thinking perambulator. <laughs> I'm not so but sure it, that works, no. No, I think that's the long form of pram. It's, you know, perambulate is to walk around, so a perambulator is like to go for a walk with it. Anyway, um, find a stroller. Find a car seat, find a carrier, something. Don't just carry a baby around with no supplies. Yeah, yeah. That's well, my recommendation. I did wonder, you know, is Aaron going to like sit in the front seat driving with the baby in his arms? I, you know, or what's he going to do? Just <laughs> prop it on the passenger seat? That's not going to work. <laughs> oh, yeah. We picked up Jasper from daycare uh, last week and he wasn't feeling very well. And Jenny said, I wish I could just hold him in my arms while we drive home. I'm like, baby, if it was the 70s, he totally could. Totally, but not anymore. No, no. Now it's quite illegal and unsafe. Yeah, and and for good reason. Like, those car seats are designed to save babies. Uh, All right, two more here. Ryan on the internet writes, Holy crap, amazing Gracie just saved a wretch like Aaron. That was immensely moving. Aaron had just lost the love of his life, Eric, and something replaces it right away. I'd love to see in the flash forward, uh, in a flash forward, Aaron with a little girl. And I think we might someday, so that's good. Mm -hmm. 
and finally, Sean in New York writes, holy crap, zombie Eric. Wow, that was creepy, sad, and kind of depressing, all rolled into one. There's a handful of 70s movies that utilize similar themes uh, or scenes of someone turning or becoming one of the horde of bad guys. Body Snatchers with Donald Sutherland springs immediately to mind, but also a scene from Omega Man and a few others do too. That said, I wish they'd clarified just a little bit, showing us Eric a bit clearer. And uh, I think we kind of agree with that. At least I do. Mm -hmm. I would have liked to have seen him up close or, as you said, just see him being... Uh, put down once and for all yeah unless they're going to bring him back and that wasn't wasn't actually him wandering off into the distance that he's hiding up a tree and he'll just show up and say no i didn't die mm. i stuffed some dirt into the wound and it was a through and through so my kidney healed and yeah. you know uh just because i lost four feet of bowel doesn't mean that i can't just continue <laughs> living right and now he has a daughter to live for and in addition to eric I mean, in addition well, that, to Aaron's probably the saddest part is yeah. that, you know, Aaron now has a, a baby to take care of that they've stolen. And, uh, <laughs> that's right. They've kidnapped a baby and Aaron is going to be just fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, but you're right. As you said earlier, it'll be cheap. I think if they bring Eric yeah. back at this point, I, and I totally shouldn't do that. I hope they don't. Okay. Uh, there's one or two more holy craps that I, you know, people sent in, but I think they're a little bit more appropriate for the feedback show. So if you didn't hear yours here tonight, uh, listen to the feedback show later this week. Maybe you will then. Um, but that's going to do it otherwise for this podcast. Um, we'll be back on Thursday, as I just said, with, um, with our feedback show for this week. And uh, but stay tuned. I have a brief, you know, after hours discussion for for today, if you can uh, stick with us. And it is kind of Walking Dead related, so you might cool. be interested in it. I have a quick story, uh, after hours quick story that is totally not Walking Dead related. Oh, that should be good. Everyone, you you want to stick around. It's the haircut story stories. I alluded to, alluded to earlier. All right, so we'll talk about haircuts and uh, and some Walking Dead stuff. But for now, that's going to wrap up this episode of The Talking Dead. Check out our new website at talkingdeadpodcast.com. And, uh, you know, you can send us voicemail by visiting the site. Now, the voicemail button is not super prominent right now. I have to find a better way to make it stand out. But for now, there is a link in the navigation at the top that says send voicemail. So click that. And otherwise, it's the same as it always has been. You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Talking Dead. And as I've said, send all your email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it. Stay tuned for brief after hours, including Jason's haircut story. But until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao, ciao. All right, do you want to do your haircut story first? Uh, sure. So okay. I was dating this girl and... <laughs> As uh, all your stories start with. <laughs> <laughs> this was in the 90s. It was the very late 90s. And it's not a really good story, but uh, we used to go to a restaurant to eat out all the time because I didn't, I had lived in a basement apartment and with a really crappy kitchen. And so uh, this bar that we went to uh, all the time, uh, the old spot, I don't know if you've been there. I have been there. Yeah. Good, good. We had really good food and we were there. I, you know, I, we, 
used to eat there all the time. So I get off from clowning and, uh, you know, she comes over to my house and we're like, okay, I'm hungry. You're hungry. Let's go. So we went over to the alt spot. We sat down, we got our beer and we lit a smoke because that's when you could smoke in bars. So I say, hey, you got a haircut to the waitress who's, uh, we were regulars there. So we knew her pretty good. Meanwhile, girlfriend was within slugging distance. So she took a swing at me from across the table because uh, I just walked over here with my girlfriend failing to notice that she got a haircut. But as soon as the waitress comes over, I noticed that she, that, you know, she was also got a haircut that same day. Well, so I was a complete loser for, uh, I failed. I, it was a boyfriend fail. Absolutely. I suppose. Uh, but you know, you see the girlfriend every day. You only see the waitress once in a while. So no, something changes. It's to saw the waitress every day. Oh, we were in there all the time. Like there was like a period where it was like three meals a day for a while. Wow. Well, I mean, were you dating the waitress too? No, just, <laughs> okay. we knew everybody. We were on the, we got invited to the staff Christmas party. Like everybody knew us. We were regulars there for sure. Oh, fun. Yeah. It was right. good. Well, and did, did, but anyway, yeah. Lesson learned. Slugged. Yeah. Lesson learned. <laughs> so pay attention. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So what I wanted to talk about is something that was recently announced is twdsupplydrop.com, the walking dead supply drop.com. Right. What this is, do you know these um, sort of mystery loot boxes that they're doing online these days where you sign oh, yeah. up kind of for a service and every month or quarter or whatever, you receive a box in the mail full of stuff. Yeah. And there's Lego ones and yeah. uh, Adafruit has one and yeah, there's all kinds of them. So there's all kinds of them. So the walking dead has started one. Okay. twdsupplydrop.com. And I went to it. I, I, for some reason, I actually wanted to do it. I actually wanted to sign up. It's not cheap. It's like 50 bucks a box and you get four of them a year. So it's like 200 bucks a year to do this mystery box. But, but I was going to do it thinking that, you know, in the name of, of kind of the podcast and I, I want, I wanted to talk about what was in the boxes and, you know, maybe give some of the stuff away, get the box and, and give it away to listeners because I, I probably wouldn't want to keep it all. Um, but anyways, of course I get there and find out that it's only available in the United States, not available to Canadians or anyone else. And this pissed me off because I was actually ready to pay my money and do it. Uh, and I can't. And this reminded me that, you know, earlier this year, they launched TWDrewards.com, the Walking Dead sort of rewards or uh, fan club point system for that you can uh, trade for stuff in the store. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do that too, but I can't because I'm Canadian, or at least I reside in Canada. And I am Canadian <laughs> for the record. <laughs> By the way. Yeah. Um, and... And a third one came up this week. Uh, there's a company that is putting out official Walking Dead wine. And I'm not a big wine drinker, but again, I wanted to get some of the wine to try it out and 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 have. Um, now, this one I knew wouldn't be available here because you can't ship wine into Canada from other countries. You can't ship any booze into Canada from other countries. You have to go through the proper channels. It's made of alcohol. It's made of alcohol and they don't let them let you import that. Uh, so I knew that would be a problem, but all of this just kind of added up to me getting annoyed and pissed off and, you know, all these services that aren't available to me here, even though I kind of wanted to pay for them. Anyways, um, I can't take advantage of these things, but I wanted to let everyone know about this TWD supply drop, uh, loot box that is starting. 
And if there is anyone out there who is going to sign up for it, um, to just, you know, stay in touch and let me know how it goes. Cause I'd be curious to find out what is in each one. So if we have listeners doing this, um, let us know, let us know how it goes. And I guess over time I'll probably relax and realize that, uh, I don't know, some things are available to me that aren't available to other people. I don't right. know. <laughs> it doesn't feel that, like it. That, that can't be. No doesn't really feel like it. You get to have that great feeling of watching TV and movies and going, hey, he's Canadian or she's Canadian. Oh, yeah. Because we all have the Canadian dar for uh, famous people. We do, yeah. Yeah. So- So you get that privilege. I guess so. Americans don't have that privilege. No, because everyone's American. (laughs) Right. Even Even the Canadians. That's even the Canadians, yeah. (laughs) So that's all, really. I just, it was annoying me that I couldn't do these things, uh, but- I was ready to pay for it, so I don't understand. A lot of other loot boxes are available, at least across North America, but not this one. They're screwing us again. Well, you'd have to do a you'd have to do a reroute, like through friends in the states. You I know, get it mailed to your friend, and then have them rebox and repackage, and then forward it to you, which is such a pain in the ass. It's such a pain in the ass, and it's a burden to put on somebody else, right? To yeah, do that. absolutely. So, so I, I don't want to do that, but it's. It's a giant pain, um, but I wanted to bring it up and let everyone know in case you missed it. I think they announced it on AMC's Talking Dead the other night, uh, because that's when the news sort of started coming out, and that's when I saw it, even though I didn't watch that show. But anyways, if you checked it out and you're interested and you're going to do it, let us know. I'd be curious to hear how it goes and what kind of stuff you got. As of right now, the only thing that um, I know is in each box is a t-shirt. So you get a different shirt every box plus a bunch of other stuff. Right. Is so, it worth the what is it, fifty bucks a box? It's like forty nine dollars a box. Yeah. You pay your forty nine dollars. T shirt and stickers and maybe a button you could put on your backpack. Well that's I mean that's one of the reasons I, I wanted to hear what's going on, because like they've gotta make it worth the money or it's just gonna be nothing but complaints. You're paying ten bucks for mystery. At least. And then it's inflated prices for actual merchandise. Well, okay. But I'm curious. And that's what I want to know. So if anyone does the box, let us know. The first one doesn't ship for a while, I don't think. But still, uh, we can we can stay in touch and, and, and hear what it's all like. So, or yeah. what it's all about. So, anyways, that's all. Um, if you want to check it out, it's twdsupplydrop.com. Um, and then the wine. I, I heard about the wine on Entertainment Weekly. So go to their site and search for that. Uh, there's Rick Grimes wine, Daryl Dixon wine, and one more, which I can't think of right now. So, you know, it could be interesting. And maybe if we're lucky, we'll get some of that wine available at our local liquor control board store and mm-hmm. be able to buy some here. Slash pot dispensary. Starting next Coming summer. July. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in case as you, <laughs> hasn't, anyone hasn't heard, pot's going to be legal in Canada in like the next eight months and sold by the government. Yeah, probably for such an expensive premium that it's going to increase the, you know, illegal distribution of marijuana in this Oh, yeah. No, I country. think there's uh, there's laws uh, around how many plants you can personally own. So, it, you know, don't fear that you have to buy the uh, inflated price. Uh, I, I think you can actually own your a few of your own plants for personal use. You can't sell it or anything, but it's like making your own wine. You can make your own wine. You can't sell it. You can't ship it across provincial lines kind of thing. You can't export it, but you can 
make it for yourself. Okay, I didn't realize that. I mean, I guess that's good, I suppose. But I can't help but think, not that I'm a pot smoker, I haven't tried it in 20 years, and I have no interest in doing that, but... Oh, the last time I smoked pot, it was bad. Oh, I felt so, so sick. Right, If so, I could just press an undo button to undo the smoking of the pot, I would have done so like 10 times over. <laughs> well... It was awful. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I have no interest, but uh, yeah. I also think that if there's one way to screw this up, it's let the government handle it, but you know, who else is going to do it, so... Well, you can, you can make your own beer. You can make your own wine. You can grow your own pot. Yep. Uh, can you grow your own tobacco? I don't know. I, I don't see why I don't, I don't not. think so. You, you also can't make like vodka. I don't think you're allowed to make your own vodka. Yeah, you can. Like, what do I know? You can. You can, dis- you can, you can distill your own, uh, hard liquor. I was at a- Don't there's... you need a still for that? And those are splody? No, man. Well, I don't know. There was a distillery. I went to a distillery uh, up up, uh, um, up near Perry Sound in the summer. Did, did you buy some or were you allowed to buy some? I have the jar right here. <laughs> okay. Then they're licensed, right? Well, yeah, they're selling well, I'm thinking it. about, you know, making your own. Uh, okay. Well, I, I think there's a fine line there. Can you make your well, own just is. to drink there's, your own? You can say again? You can make your own just to personally consume it, maybe. Beer? No. Well, that's, I don't know. So I know about beer, wine, and I'm pretty sure about pot, but I don't know about tobacco or hard liquor. Okay. Well, I don't know either, but, uh. Or peyote. I don't think you can make your own peyote. No, I'm pretty sure you can't do that. (laughs) Apparently we don't know much. Anyways, (laughs) this got off topic here a little bit. Well, it's after hours. We can do whatever we want. That is very, very true. Uh, but all right. I think that should be it though. Anything else before, anything else you want to speculate wildly on before we call it a night? No, let's shut the hell up. All right. We'll see you next time, everyone. Bye.